and welcome to the Faith Church podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 256 483 4991. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part two of the series Greater Than. All right, good morning, Faith Church. Good to see everybody here. Hey, thanks so much for being here for one of our weekend worship experiences. It's our privilege to host you. And as always, we want to welcome not just our Faith, for, uh, Faith Church family that's here each and every week. We want to welcome our first-time guests. Again, I know our host always wel- already welcomed you, but we just want you to know that we're glad that you decided to be a part of our services here. And we really hope for every person, those watching online, those present, that God would just do something really great in your life. You know, church is far more than showing up, sitting in a seat in a building, listening to a message from a guy. It really is, if you'll open your heart, it's just an encounter with God that His grace and His mercy can change a life. And we believe that, and that's why we do what we do. So open up your heart, buckle in, and let's be on a journey as we start week two of a series we started last week entitled, Greater Than. Everybody shout those words, Greater Than. than. We all face things in life. You know, we all face challenges and difficulties. And for the last several years, I've been here lead pastor for the last five years at Faith Church. And every year, God just placed a word, a a series of messages on my heart for us to face the new year ahead, for us to engage, for us to dream big, for us to believe for great things. And stepping into 2017, I know we all have challenges and issues and dreams and aspirations ahead of us. And I just wanted to make this declaration coming in that no matter what you face in 2017, that God is greater than. Say that one more time, greater than. Last week, we made that declaration, and we just kind of said this, that God's strength is greater than our struggle. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses. We all have areas in our life where we feel like we're not enough or we know we're not enough. And just we just need to know that in those situations that, you know what, God really works through our weaknesses. In fact, it's the weaknesses that become a platform for God to show up. If you have everything together, if you're perfect, there's really no room for God. It's our weaknesses, it's our struggle, it's our sin, it's our deficiencies where God really shines through. And so I just want you to be challenged. Listen, you don't have to be perfect in 2017. Um, It's just a great place for God to show up in your life. Today, we're going to head into week two, but I just want to say this. If you did not grab a wristband yet, again, we do these every year. It's just something great for you to put on your wrist at least through the series, as a reminder that God's greater than. Maybe you're in the middle of the day. Maybe you're in the middle of a situation. You just glance down. It's a great reminder that God's greater than. So you can pick those up in the lobby. Those are free. We have large and we have small. So if you have a little smaller wrist, you can pick one up. And we encourage you again, wear it through at least the series and uh, maybe wear it through the year. And uh, it's going to be good. Well, listen, let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys here remember the first time your heart was broken? Anybody remember the first? It's just painful to raise your hand, isn't it? The first breakup. I mean, man, for probably all of us in this room, like, you don't have to think hard. Like, it's a vivid moment in life. Like, it's it's frozen in time. It comes with it like this, like this, all this flurry of memories and emotions. We can put ourselves in that place. We can remember what they smelled like, right? I remember I was uh, probably in sixth grade, and 
my first like real girlfriend and you know, just wanted to be with her and hang out with her. And so every day I would walk down to her house and pick her up and I'd walk her to school, sixth grade. And you know how you'd walk and bump hands <laughs> and then maybe just grab on like it's just accident. Like it was just perfect. I mean, like this is, this is, this is my love and this is going to be the person I'm married to. I mean, sixth grade, I had life figured out. And uh, I'll never forget her birthday came, and it, it was, this was the year, to catch some of you guys up, this was the year of the original Kevin Bacon Footloose, not that remake garbage they did a couple years ago. Anybody here a Kevin Bacon fan, right? Woo! So Kevin Bacon Footloose, so I got her the soundtrack cassette tape, so we don't even know what that is, of the Footloose, right? It had great songs on it, like Let's Hear It for the Boy, the original Footloose soundtrack, Dancing in the Sheets, which I had no idea what that meant in sixth grade. Now it's on my playlist. Anyway, so, I mean, you know, just all these great songs. So I gave it to her, and she loved it, and she played it. And I'll never forget the day came, the moment came, and she just told me, I just want to be friends. I was like, I ain't got no friend category. I got plenty of friends. And she put me in the friend zone, and I'll never forget, she gave me back her birthday gift. She gave me back the cassette tape. I mean, man, it was a stinger. But I'm going to tell you, here's really, it was, it was a gift for me because anybody who remembers the track, and some of you are going to download this, some of you, this is going to be on your playlist before you go to bed at night, right? Number three on the track was a song that carried me through. Maybe you guys remember it. Here it is. Right? Some of you guys remember back in the day when you're in love, and listen, some of you guys who have iPods and, you know, iPhones, like, listen, there was nothing like back in the day having a cassette tape that you had to rewind it, back to your song, and then hit play, and it, like, carried you through. Oh, almost paradise. I was so close. So close. Here's the thing. You know what, guys? I Really, man, that is... For all of us, our first love, our first breakup, like it really is painful and it really does sting and we never forget the pain of that moment. I mean, but here's the reality is, if that's the only time I was ever hurt in life, I would be okay. But that's not, unfortunately, the only time I've ever been hurt by somebody. I've been hurt by friends, been hurt by family members, I've been hurt by church people, I've been stabbed in the back, stabbed in the front, taken advantage of offended, hurt. And I mean, I just look through my life and I'm not at all complaining. I'm just telling you that as thankful as I am and as blessed as I am, I can look back and there has continually and consistently been in my life periods where people have hurt me and bruised me and I've struggled through and I've wrestled through and I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't cry sometimes and I didn't feel overwhelmed at times and I didn't bury my head at times, that I didn't have some resentment towards some people at times. And here's the thing is, I know I'm not the only one. That in this room, there's probably a lot of hurt where you've been hurt by people. In fact, the wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus, Solomon, he said this. Well, check this out. In Proverbs 14, he said, each heart knows its own bitterness. He's saying every heart, every heart in this room has some place where you're bitter, where you've been hurt, where somebody's taken advantage of you. For you, maybe it was a spouse's infidelity. Maybe it was a friend's betrayal. 
Maybe it was a boss's decision. Maybe you were here and someone expressed some bigotry to you. Someone took advantage of you. Someone abused you. And it's like always the people who are closest to us. Like those are the ones that have access to our heart. And we can go through our life and man, we just feel at times like so overwhelmed and so hurt. And when it happens, here's the crazy thing is when that hurt happens, like we're almost shocked. We're surprised. But I'm just telling you, like living life and experiencing hurt is like traveling on a road. If you drive long enough, you're going to get a flat tire. That's a fact. And if you live this life long enough, somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody is going to take advantage of you. If it doesn't happen in church, it's going to happen in your family. If it doesn't happen in your family, it's going to happen with the people you work with. If it doesn't happen with the people you work with, it's going to happen with the students you do life with. Like, it's just the reality that life sometimes is filled with hurt. In fact, Jesus said it this way, and right? This is, this is his way of letting us know what's coming. Check this out. He says, here on earth, you will have rainbows, unicorns, and roses forever. Like, right? That's what we want. But Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Like, I don't want that. Like, I want to scratch that verse out. I want to take that verse out. I don't want trials. I don't want sorrows. I don't want heartbreak. I don't want people offending me. I don't want to be taken advantage of. I don't want people, right? I mean, nobody wants it. But Jesus said, hey, you just need to know it's coming. And as I talk about this out of the gate, there's some of you in this room, like, it's raw. Your heart, like, it's an open, festering wound. You can talk about sometime very recently where you've been hurt and like you're already kind of plugging your ears because you're in a really bad place. And maybe you've not been in this place in a long time, but here's really what Jesus is saying, and I believe this with all of my heart. Here's what Jesus is saying is, it's not a matter of if you get hurt, but when and how bad. Can I just get an amen to that? I mean, we just get hurt. Like just people do things, and, and I, I'm just going to say this on the front end, it's not always intentional. Sometimes people hurt us and they don't intend to hurt us. They didn't mean to hurt us. And then there's some people, man, they absolutely meant to hurt you. They meant to do what they did. So for a few minutes today, I want to talk about some soul trauma. That's a word I felt like God dropped in my heart getting ready for this. Soul trauma. Here's how I would define what soul trauma is. Soul trauma is a decision someone makes about you or your life that puts you in a place that you would never choose for yourself. Let me say that again. Soul trauma is a decision someone makes about you or your life that puts you in a place that you would never choose for yourself. And when I say a place, I mean a physical place, but more importantly, an emotional place. Like it puts you in a place like where you're broken, hurt, upset, angry, frustrated, and it just happens. And if you're here today and you have some soul trauma, like there's some family you're, offended, you're, you're, you're offended at. There are some friends that you're not friends with anymore because of what they've done to you. There's some people you don't want to be around. There's some people that you can't stand. There's some people you're angry at. If you're here and you have soul trauma, I just want to say this on the front end because I think this applies to most of us in this room. That you cannot be whole and broken at the same time. You are either whole or you are broken. And the Bible makes it clear from cover to cover that God came to bring us peace. Everybody shout peace. The word in the Old Testament is shalom. God wants our lives to have nothing broken and nothing missing. Nothing broken and nothing missing. 
And so if you're here today and you're hurt on the inside, you're offended at a business partner, you're mad at a neighbor, you're upset at a family member, if you're here and you're hurt on the inside, I'm just telling you, if you can rehearse that, if there's emotions attached to that, if you're connected to that, if you play that through in your mind, if I'm talking about this and it stirs something in you, then you are not whole. You are still broken. And Jesus came. For one reason that he makes abundantly clear in Luke, and he says this, and this is for all of you in this room. Listen to what Jesus says while he's here. He said, the Spirit of the Lord, read this with me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, watch, to preach the gospel to the poor. Y'all got to shout this. He has sent me to what? To do what? Heal the brokenhearted. Keep going. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So Jesus said, hey, listen, I came ultimately to save people. I came to change and upend your eternity and your relationship with God. But in the journey, God says, you know what? The power of the Holy Spirit on my life is to bind up and to heal broken hearts, which means if you're here and you're still brokenhearted, you have not yet put yourself underneath the ability of God to heal the brokenness in you. And I just, just want you to know today, I believe this with all in my heart, that you ought to expect to be healed because God sent his son to heal and God wants us to be whole. Come on, somebody. So listen, if you're, if you're hurt today, my prayer is beyond anything else that you walk out either healed or with the anticipation that God's going to heal the brokenness in you because he does not want you broken. He came to make you whole. Now, I know that's, that's hard. Because, again, if it's somebody that hurt us that we don't know, if it's somebody that hurt us that, you know what, like we could just get past. But, again, it's that relationship. It's that closeness. And we just, we just can't believe it. How could they do that to me? How could he do that? That's my dad. That's my sister. Like, look what they did with the estate. Look how they treated me. I can't believe they said that about me. And, man, the hurt is so real. It's almost tangible. And, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I... I channel David sometimes. If, if, if you don't read your Bible, you need to because there's a lot of good stuff in there. David, if you don't know David, David prays these prayers. And it, here's, there's actually a term for it. It's called the, the imprecatory prayer. It's the prayer of revenge. Anybody pray a prayer of revenge before? Like Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Okay, Jesus, God, get them, kill them. <laughs> David, if you read David for real, David wrote, David wrote eight psalms totally dedicated, praying God, take them out. He prays things like this, God shatter their teeth. <laughs> like I just quote that one from time to time at dinner. Lord, in the name of Jesus, shatter my enemy's teeth. Amen. <laughs> he prays things like this, Lord, run them through with the, with the spear or the javelin. Lord, I pray my enemies, children would be fatherless. He prays these things in scripture. I pray the creditors would come and steal their property, steal back their property, like destroy them. He actually says this, God, send them down to Sheol, which is the Hebrew word for hell. Basically, he prays, God, send my enemies to hell. Like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I can attach some names to those prayers. Y'all got to be real with me today. Like, I fill in the blank, baby. But here's the thing is, right, as we go through this, Here's what I want is, again, I just believe that God wants you to be whole. God wants you to be restored. God wants you to move past the brokenness. God wants you to move past the hurt in your heart. God wants you to get past the offense and the stuff that's holding you back. 
And I believe that's part of his promise. Again, that's part of the reason that Jesus came. But here's really what I want to, where I want to go for a few minutes is I believe that God wants to make you not just better from it, but better because of it. Not just better from it. Like, I believe that Jesus, but I believe with all my heart, he doesn't want you just better from it, like where you can just get past it and be. But I believe that God allows situations in our lives. He doesn't cause them because he's a good God. But I believe that God uses brokenness. God uses broken people. God uses difficult situation. God uses pain, things we would never choose for our life. God uses those situations. God uses those circumstances to elevate us, to elevate our faith, to reconnect us with the Father, to give us a vision, a mission, and to get us in the place that he has for us. God doesn't want you just better from it. God wants you better because of it. Because you went through it, you're in a better place. Woo. Now, listen, I'm just telling you, I know that's hard to imagine because like we would never choose that door. But I just believe sometimes God says this door, it's going to be painful, but there's something good on the other end. Amen. And I want us to look for a few minutes and we're going to go kind of quick and we're going to go through like a lot of scripture because we're going to cover uh, about uh, about 13 chapters. But just real quick of the life of a guy by the name of Joseph. And I just want you and this is this is so hard. I know it's easy to move through a story in Scripture and just kind of just read it. And some of you that's been in church for a while, you probably have heard this story. story. And here's what I just want to ask. I want, you to, I want you to empathize. Everybody say empathize. I want you to put yourself in his shoes. As you read what he goes through, what he suffers, I want you to think, how would I feel if that happened to me? How would I respond if someone did that to me? Here's how the story kicks off, right? In the beginning, Genesis chapter 37, the Bible says this is the account of Jacob. For you in biblical history, there was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. This is Jacob. This is the account of Jacob and his family. Watch this. When Joseph was 17 years old, he's a teenager, he often tended to his father's flock But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So we know he's a tattletale right out of the gate, and he's a troublemaker. But watch how his dad feels about him. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Now, the reason for this, in in part at least, is because he wasn't the youngest, but he was the next to the youngest. And everybody here, anybody here, you're the youngest in the family Come on, you got to raise it with some pride. Yeah, baby. You get away with stuff they never got away with. You can do things they could never do. Listen, my, my brothers are still bitter. Like, back in the day, my parents wouldn't let my brothers do much. I got a moped. It's like, I wasn't even allowed to walk to the corner alone. I was all over it because I was the youngest. When you're the youngest, you get away with things. You get favor. You get exceptions. And Joseph knows it. His dad, Jacob, loves him, gives him all kinds of favor. The brothers... And he has 11 of them. I mean, man, they don't like him. In fact, to say, that Jake, to say that Joseph's brothers, his family, don't like him is really an understatement. Like, they just didn't sit on his chest. Anybody here have the brothers that sat on your chest, put their knees on your shoulders, and just did this until you cried? <laughs> Almost paradise. <laughs> like, uncle. And you didn't matter how many times you said uncle and wedgies and right, all kinds of things that just would absolutely bother you. Like, Joseph wished... That's how his brothers treated him. But watch. They like him so little that they devised this plan. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe, a gift from his father that he was wearing. 
Then they grabbed him and threw him in to the well. Like they stripped him and threw him in a well. Now, just FYI, like a well is not two foot deep. A well is not five foot deep. Like his brothers hated him so bad that when he showed up, when he walked up on him out watching his father's flocks, they grabbed him, stripped him naked, and threw him probably 10, 15, 20 feet down into a well. There he is in the bottom of the well, cold, naked, bloody, and hurting at the hands of his own brothers. And here's the crazy thing is, like, I just believe that Jacob isn't the only one in a well. There's a lot of you in this room that you've been hurt by family members, and you're still in a well. You say, what do I mean? I mean you're still in a well because when you talk about your situation, you justify your pain, you justify your bitterness, and you justify your unforgiveness like this. Well, if they did to you what they did to me, well, if you went through what I went through, well, you don't understand, and like that well just defines you. And you're stuck in that well. And here's what I want you to know about the soul trauma that you have faced. And it's real and it's tangible. Is while people, you can't help what people put you in. You can help what you allow in you. Like I can't help it other, the decisions other people make about me that put me in situations. But I can help guarding my heart and being careful about what gets in me. And man, here's, here's Joseph. He's in the bottom of this well. And you think, well, that's a bad situation. Maybe that's the end of it. Unfortunately, they see these traders walk dry, uh, coming by on camels, and they get a better idea. Check this out as the story progresses. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph, Joseph's brothers, this is crazy, pulled him out of the well and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. They stripped him naked, threw him in a well, then got him out of the well and sold him as a slave. Here is Joseph, probably bound hand and feet, hanging between two camels in the heat of the desert, in the blazing temperature of the sun, bloody, wounded, and bruised, possibly still naked because of his brothers. From, he went from here, from a favorite son to a forced slave. Like, just probably 24 hours ago, he was dad's favorite. Like, he got the best of the best. Like, everybody, like, dad loved him. He thought everything was working out well. This is how hurt happens. One moment, everything's wonderful. The next moment, man, all we know is pain. All we know is hurt. Again, he goes from being the favorite son to a forced slave. The story goes on. Keep reading. And when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmael, Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar. This is someone very important. He was a general in Egypt. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian uh, officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Keep reading. And the Lord was with Joseph. Really? Really, God? I, I don't see you anywhere. Like, if this is what it means when you're with me, maybe it would be better if you weren't with me. God, you're with me because it doesn't look like it. Like my brothers hate me. They absolutely abused me, humiliated me, sold me. But the Lord's with Joseph. But here's what's important. Watch this. So he, was, he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So he gets sold from being the favorite son to a forced slave. He gets sold 
from one group of slave traders. He gets sold to someone else as a slave. But man, because God's with him, he succeeds. He gets favor in the house of Potiphar. And you can read the story in your own. In fact, I would encourage you guys this week to read this whole story. It's amazing. Because of God's favor on his life, even though he's a slave, he gets elevated to the most important person next to Potiphar in his house. Like he's running the show. He's in charge of everything. However, because he's a, he's a PhD, pretty hot thing, Potiphar's wife puts her eyes on Joseph. She wants to sleep with him. And so she's looking for ways to attract him and draw him in. And she, here's, it's funny because the Bible says she wants, she wants him to, to lay by her and with her, which is a trap, man. Like, you don't have to lay with me. Just come lay by me for a minute. And so she keeps looking for opportunities and like she's putting little notes by the cereal bowl and she's winking at him when Potiphar's not looking and she's probably flat, all kinds of like bad stuff's happening. And I'm just going to tell you this, really, Joseph, it's unfortunate because Joseph knew, and some of you men need to pay attention to this, it doesn't turn out well for Joseph because Joseph wouldn't sleep with Potiphar's wife. She got so mad, she got so upset that she actually accused him of raping her. One day she grabbed him and tried to force herself on him. He ran out of the house, and this is the second time we find Joseph naked in the story. The dude's a nudist or something. He literally runs out of his clothes. She's holding on to his robe, tells her husband Potiphar, hey, your servant Joseph, he tried to rape me, and here's his clothes. He knew she wanted him. He, he should have never been in that house. Men, do not put yourself in a situation where you are vulnerable to a woman, especially if you know that they're attracted to you. Do not put yourself alone in a room, alone in a car, alone. Do not do it. Your marriage, your reputation, and your relation with God is far more important than the appeal of another woman. Can I get an amen? And so... Potiphar hears the news and believes his wife's testimony, and here's what the Bible says he does. Check it out. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him in the prison, from the pit to the prison. He goes from being a favored slave to a felon scapegoat. Like just when he feels like, okay, things are getting better, here comes more hurt, here comes more pain. Like that wound. Can anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever just get a wound and you just feel like it's getting closed? Like you feel like you're just getting closure and someone else hurts you? It's like you ask the question, can I trust anybody? Is anybody like civil? Does anybody not take advantage of me? And he goes to being a felon scapegoat. He gets thrown in prison for something he didn't do. He takes the fall for something that wasn't even his fault. Nothing he did, nothing he was responsible for. But watch what the Bible says. Kind of funny. But the Lord was with Joseph. Really? Well, God, I thought you were with me when everything was working out and I was the favorite son and like I knew you were with me then because everything was golden, everything was glorious, everything was unicorns, rainbows, and right? But then my brothers molested me, stripped me, threw me in a well, sold me to slaves. I got sold into Potiphar's house. I was a slave, but things started working out. I turned around. Then I got falsely accused of something I didn't do. Now I'm in prison and God, you're with me. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So again, he goes almost, it seems like, to the bottom of the barrel, but he gets favor and he starts raising up again. He starts kind of going through this situation. And if you read the story, right, he goes on, he says this. This is kind of the pinnacle of, of his thing. He says, 
For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. And anybody that's ever been hurt, if you've ever been taken advantage of, this, this is how I felt. Like, I did nothing to deserve it. Like, it's almost like, like if I deserved it, I mean, okay. But I was good to them. Like, I was a friend of them. I was faithful to them. Like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why is this happening to me? And like this cry right here of Joseph at the bottom of the prison, like he's crying, like, I didn't do anything. Like, I'm innocent. Why is all this happening to me? And you go through this story, and it almost starts to pick up, right? Because two other people that are servants to Pharaoh, his baker and his cupbearer, they both get thrown into prison. I encourage you, read the story. They both have dreams, and they don't know how to interpret the dream. They know it means something. It's one of those dreams that they wake up. You ever have a dream in the morning? You wake up, you remember it. Like they know there's meaning to it. And so they go to Joseph because the rumor in the prison is Joseph can interpret dreams. And Joseph interprets his dreams, and the cupbearer gets out of prison the same way that Joseph said. Read the story. And Joseph, watch this. Joseph says, hey, listen, when you, when you get out of prison... And when you go back and you start serving Pharaoh, when you have the ability to help a brother out, don't forget me. Like, come get me out of prison because you know I'm innocent. Come and get me out. And here's what the Bible says happens. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And here he goes. He goes now from a favored suspect to the forgotten. Like, it just keeps getting worse. Every time he feels like he gets his head above water, someone else hurts him. His family hurts him. His boss hurts him. His friends hurt him. It's like everywhere he goes, he's getting hurt. And here's the question, because you go on and you read this story, and it says it again, and the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say that, and the Lord was with Joseph. I want everybody here to say it again, but I want you to put your name in there. And the Lord was with Steve. Come on, every voice, and the Lord was with Steve. Like you would think if God's with us that everything would be, work out, everything would be wonderful, everything would make sense. We would get the bonus, the raise, the girl, the job, the education, like every door would open. Remember, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you will have trials. You will have tribulations. You will go through difficulties. People will hurt you. But the Lord was with Joseph. Here's a question I want to ask for just a few minutes is, what does it mean that God's with us? Because when you read the story, it's like it doesn't look like God's with Joseph. Because, again, we think if God's with us, everything falls into place. Everything's wonderful. But the Lord was with Joseph. When you read his story, it doesn't look like anything's working out for him. But the Lord was with Joseph. If you're here today and you've been hurt or you are hurt, offended, taken advantage of, abused by family members, by friends, by coworkers, because if I could hear your story and you were honest enough to remove the religious Sunday morning smile of everything's great, you would be honest and you could tell me about the pain that keeps you up at night, about how you've been hurt, how someone snuck in and took the business deal from you. Someone took credit for your work. It's like, are you kidding me? What does it mean that God is with us? Three things. I want you to write these down real quick. Three things that I believe that we can see in Scripture. 
I'm going to focus on the third one. So just these first two. Number one, I believe that God wants us to have comfort through it. Comfort. Like, which means Jesus said, we're going to have trials. Listen, he said, I'm telling you the truth. You're going to have trials. But the really good news is, even though we're going to have trials, people are going to hurt us. It's not a matter of if, but when and how bad. Here's the good news, and I want you to really be encouraged by this, is that God is with us. God really is with us, and so you can have comfort through it, which means you can either focus on your help or you can focus on your hurt. And I just choose, and I think this has to be every person's choice, that we just need to make the choice to quit focusing on our hurt and start focusing on our help because our help comes from the Lord. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. It's a great promise. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So, You say, like, if you're new to church or new to spiritual things, like, this seems very mystical. Pastor, like, what does that mean? Like, does God come and bring a big Band-Aid? I'm just telling you, his promise is that if you'll turn to him, focus on your help and not your hurt, God has the power, the ability, and the desire to come and bring comfort to you, which means he takes the hurt and no longer allows it to dominate your heart and your life. And he starts to remove the pain, starts to heal you so you can get through and no longer be broken, but be whole. Number two, real quick, is strength to not be overcome by it. Strength to not be overcome by it. Because again, here's here's how I feel. I'm going to be honest. Like I've been in situations where I've had to make the decision, do I press charges on this person who's done this to me or not? Do I send them to jail or not? And I'm just telling you, baby, when you're holding the prison key, it feels good, baby. I'm sending them to jail. Like, I'm about to get my Potiphar on right here. Like, you can, you can get revenge. You can get even with somebody. Like, there's this thing on you. But it's because if you're driven by your hurt, you want revenge. If you're driven by how someone's taken advantage of you, you want the worst for somebody. And I'm just here to tell you guys, and I want everybody here so you can make a decision to either be defined by history or be defined by his story. I just choose to not be defined by what people have done to me, by how people have hurt me. I choose to be defined by the story of Jesus, that he came as my redeemer. He came as my restorer. He came as the one to make me whole. I'm not going to be defined by any man. I'm going to be defined by Jesus Christ and his love and his joy and his peace because I am who he said I am. I am not who any man tried to make me be. Come on, somebody. It's his story. And so every day you got to wake up and choose. Is it what's happened in your past? Are you going to keep living that? Because we have this tendency, especially church people, it's crazy. Especially church people, we have this tendency to rally around our hurts. And we get in little circles and we all talk about, yeah, I was hurt. And maybe you're here, and maybe some of you are here, and you've not been in church because a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or someone else in church hurt you. I'm sorry that happened. I'm just going to tell you, if you come here long enough, someone here will hurt you. You're like, well, I'm going somewhere else. Well, you go there, someone's going to hurt you. Because anytime you put yourself in close proximity with other people, they will hurt you. It's the inevitability of the tension of relationship. It just happens. Sometimes it's innocent. Doesn't minimize your hurt. Sometimes it's on purpose, but it happens. And we just have to make a decision like, I'm just... I'm not going to be defined. I'm not going to rally around my hurts. I'm not going to rally around my history, and I'm not going to just keep replaying it. It doesn't minimize it. I'm sorry that you were hurt. And God was so sorry that he sent his son Jesus 
to restore you and to make you whole. And we need to be defined by his story. Here's where I want to go. Number three, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What does it mean that God is with us? What did it mean for Joseph that the Lord was with Joseph? Because obviously it didn't mean everything worked out. Obviously it doesn't mean that everything was perfect. Obviously it didn't mean everything was unicorns, rainbows, and roses. What it means is that we get purpose from our pain. If you believe that God always leveraged his power to bring you protection, you will always be disappointed in life. But if you'll choose to believe that God does leverage his power to always bring us purpose, you'll be encouraged no matter what you go through. If you're going through a situation and you're like, God, I know you're going to fix this. God, I know you're going to, God, I know you're going to save me. God, I know you're going to protect me. If you think you're going to go through this life, never be offended, never be sick, never be hurt, nothing, everything bad is going to be happening to you because God's on the throne, you will be mistaken because Jesus said you're going to face trials and tribulations. What our hope is in is that God's power is working through our life and he's going to take the hurt, the pain, the difficulty and God is going to bring us to a better place through it. It's not where we started. It's where God is taking us. And this incredible promise is made. Paul says this, that he said, I know that God is working. Everybody shout working. God is working all things together for good. Woo! For those who love God and are called according to to his purpose. Like God's working in your situation. He's working in your pain. He's working through these things. And again, man, I, I just know so many people that they define the Christian faith or they've walked away from the Christian faith because they got hurt and somehow someone told them or they watched a Christian person on TV say, well, if you serve God, like you're never going to be sick and you're never going to face anything. I'm just telling you, that's not biblical. When you read scripture, Every person that ever experienced God in a significant way or ever did anything significant for God did it in a pathway of pain. I'm just telling you over and over and over and over. You want to live a life of Paul? Are you willing to face the things Paul faced? Every person, God used the incredibly difficult, hurtful circumstance of their life, things people did to them, soul trauma, decisions people make about you or about your life that put you in a place that you would never choose. But the funny thing is, God chose it in the background to use it, to bless your life, to awaken you to the reality of God's presence, to shape your faith that you know he's there, that God works through that situation. Again, God takes you to a better place because when you read this story and you go on, it's crazy. Fast forward now, fast forward. He gets, Joseph gets out of prison. He starts working for the head man of the nation. He starts working for Pharaoh himself. He gets a job in, in, in Pharaoh's house. Same thing, God's with him, he gets favor. So he gets promoted, gets promoted, promoted. Listen, by the way, if you're here and you're getting promoted and you're, you're, like you're getting ahead in life and you're getting raises and bonuses and promotions, it's not because you're smart, it's because God loves you and he's giving you favor. That's just, by the way, give him praise for it. Just so you know that. And so he's experiencing the favor of God and he keeps getting these promotions. Finally, he becomes the top man in charge of the entire nation of Egypt next to Pharaoh himself. A famine breaks out in the entire region. People are starving death. People are dropping dead. Animals are skin and bones. They're dying. Water's dry. I mean, it's horrible. But because of the position that Joseph's in through all of the horrendous hurts of his family, of his boss, and of his friends, he ends up in the place where he's able to store food for the nation of Egypt. Egypt became, becomes the feeding land for the entire region. 
And lo and behold, here comes, here comes uh, Joseph's brothers needing food. Now, what would you do if the people who stripped you, dropped you in a well naked, and sold you to slave traders showed up and needed food? I know. Yeah, I know, because I'd do it too. But <laughs> we're going to follow the story. Here's, here's what Joseph says to his brothers. Beautiful verse in Scripture. Read it with me. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I'm going to read it again. You intended it to harm me. See, it's not to minimize that you were harmed. It's not to minimize that you were hurt, that your heart was broken, that someone did take advantage of you. But God intended it. There's purpose in your pain. God intended it all for good. It may not feel good, but it'll end good. When you're in bad, don't be mad, be glad, because God's using it. He, God, brought me to this position. You didn't send me here. God brought me here so I could save the lives of many people. God took me to the path of pain so I would be in the position so I could be a blessing. Joseph could have done nothing being the favored son in Jacob's house. He could only be in this position through everything that happened to him. I'm just telling you that I am who I am through a lot of hurt, through a lot of pain, choosing not to allow that to get in my heart. I'm not going to be a person of bitterness or unforgiveness. I can't help it what people have put it, me in, but I can help what gets put in me. And I am where I am because of God's favor, not because it's always been a perfect life, but because God's been with me. And so here's the question for you as we get ready to close. How would you feel about your current situation and the potential of your future if you really believed that God was with you? The Bible says that God's with you. So how would you feel? All of you in this room that's been hurt and taken advantage of and broken, friends have done things to you, family members, how would you feel about your current situation and the potential of your future if you really believed that God was with you? Not the religious catchphrase, if you really believe, I really believe God's with me.